Hello and welcome to the Black Anise Horror Podcast. It's good to be here tonight because I have lots and lots of rum. How are you, Ben? Sleepy and drinking. <laughs> You're always sleepy. Oh, well, it's like <laughs> three in the morning. So. Yeah, fuck it. Right, what's been going on? Uh, we went to HorrorCon. Yeah, had a great time. Met uh, Doug Bradley. Met Kane Hodder. Uh, did not get to meet Linnea Quigley, unfortunately. I was really, really wanting to. And when I got my... Because I was getting paid the day before HorrorCon. So I was like, oh yeah, we're going to be able to spend loads and, and meet everyone that we want to meet. And, you and know, then they fucked up your wages. Yeah, so they completely fucked up my paycheck. We still had a fair amount, though. We still spent a lot, so it was still a good time. About half of what we wanted to take with us. But um, we still had a really good time and um, got to see some new indie projects that looked really interesting and some that were not so interesting. A friend of ours bought us a DVD, wasn't it? Immune. And we watched it when we got back. Yeah. And normally a lot of the stuff you get at these conventions, you know, I, I totally don't mind paying for because, you know, I want to support filmmakers. If you are making a film, I want to I want to support you. I want to help you out. But man, that movie just bothered me so much. <laughs> because the guy's main weapon through the whole thing was a butter knife. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> and there's even a point where one of the characters is is really paranoid about him. And so, you know, and he's staying in his house. So he opens the drawer and pulls out this big butcher knife and is like, you know, how long have I been here? How long have I been asleep and stuff? And you're sitting there. All I could think was, you've had that big ass butcher knife no, in your drawer the, the is, whole it, time. It and goes you're into using his kitchen and the whole kitchen is just full of really big, sharp, practical knives. <laughs> and he carries around this tiny, tiny little kitchen knife. Little butter knife. And it is a butter knife. It's not even one of the sharp ones. It's rounded. So, yeah, that was, that was an experience. But we did, however... Um, meet a couple of independent filmmakers there that were working on or that had uh, a new werewolf movie coming out well no that's not the one I was going to talk about oh. I was going to talk about the Satan movie oh I was going to talk um, about the other werewolf movie well I'm, I'm always stoked to see a new a, a new creature feature so we'll just have to see how that goes but I was excited about the Satan movie because they had a um, a trailer that you could watch and I watched it and it looked so fun it looked properly fun. So I'm not going to say any more about that, though, because I'm hoping that we can get them on for a show to review their two movies that they've done. Uh, both of them are sort of more Satanist, culty sort of movies. So, yeah, I don't want don't to say anything else about it at the minute, but I'm, I've got high hopes. I've got high hopes for them. Oh, I finally finished House of Leaves. That book took me forever to get through, but it was... Ugh. Okay. It was amazingly good until the very, very end. The very, very end was a bit of a... Oh, right, so that's how it ends. A lot of unanswered questions and a lot of... You know, it was just a bit anticlimactic, the ending. But the book itself was so brilliant that, it, you know... It did leave... The ending did leave me a bit... Uh, but... I didn't. It's good to have read it because the rest of it was so amazing, amazingly written. Um, I also marathoned Stranger Things on Netflix. Oh my god, 
I can't recommend that series enough. It's so good. Yeah, I only came in when you were watching the tail end of it, and I was like, what's this? <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I think I might need to go back through and watch that one myself. And I've been waiting. I've been waiting for a new horror series because I've stopped watching just about all the horror series I used to watch sort of let me down and bored me after a while, and so I stopped watching them, like um, The Walking Dead. Yeah, I stopped examples. several series ago, stopped with that. American Horror Story, you know, a lot of them I really loved at first, and then they just got really boring and redundant and just, uh, you know. So this was really refreshing. It, it was. It was so good. I cannot wait for the next season to come out. And fuck, Winona Ryder, man. Her perfor- her acting in this series is amazing. It's so good. Check that out if you get the chance. If you haven't already. I mean, my Facebook is full of people at the minute who are either have watched it or are in the process of watching it. And uh, everyone's loving it. Still, we got a new logo, though. Yeah. We have a friend of ours named uh, As you will see when I release this episode, I would think... Yeah, we have a friend of ours named Mel, who is an artist. Um, she's got her own website and her own business. It's called Mel Langdon Art, uh, which I'm sure we'll put a link in the description of this episode. But um, she's she's really good, and she hooked us up with a new logo. We sort of we were able to just tell her what we wanted, and uh, and she drew up some stuff. And yeah, so now we have a new logo for the show. And uh, we'll be setting up sort of shops and things like that so that we can get it on t-shirts and coffee mugs and mouse mats and all that sort of thing, which will be fun for us anyway, because we'll, if nobody, the way we look at it, if nobody else buys it, then at least we'll have it. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) because I want one. Um, I just, I love her artwork so much. It's very, it's very cartoony, very comic booky, and it's just brilliant. I do not care at all. Yeah, walk around with my own Black Tannis t-shirt. Tonight, at this late hour, you are joining us for our very first, it's a versus episode where we will be pitting an original movie against a remake. The winner receives eternal glory. The loser is put to death with extreme prejudice. So tonight is the very first of these episodes, which is awesome, but we've not, <laughs> we can't decide on a name for We still it. haven't got an actual name. If you guys have any suggestions, go to the Facebook group and leave your suggestion there. So tonight we are pitting the thing from another world against John Carpenter's The Thing. And they're two very different movies. Very different. They're both based upon a, uh, a 1938 novella by John W. Campbell Jr. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be getting into that quite a bit. So the first... I, I suppose we should go with the original first. So first up is The Thing for an, from Another World. 1951. After this break. Fay Ray. <laughs> Janet Lee, Adrian King, Heather Langenkamp, Amy Steele, that weatherman who saw the cockroach, Jamie Lee Curtis, and you, come on, you know you wanna. Let her rip. Oh 
There. Now don't you feel better? You are now officially a Scream Queen. Come play with the rest of us at www.screamqueens.com. That's Queens with a Z. Or you could subscribe to us on iTunes. Either way, it's gonna be fucking fabulous. The Scream Queens Horror Podcast. It's where horror gets bent.
You know those old-time radio shows with the married couples who bicker about the kids and the car and the neighbors? Our podcast is a lot like that. Yeah. Well, if you replace the kids, the car, and the neighbors with devil movies, theology, and vodka. My name is X. And I'm Cootie. And we are the hosts of Kiss the Goat, a different kind of movie podcast. Every episode, we review a devil movie. You know, possessions, exorcisms, the Antichrist, and we stomp a mud hole in it, even if we like it. We are huge fans of comparative religion, and we love to compare real belief systems with what Hollywood seems to think belief systems are. But don't think we're not civic-minded, because each episode includes our Satan in the News segment, where our fearless correspondent, Sin Fallon, documents the eternal struggle between good and evil. And, as high-functioning alcoholics, we give every movie its own drinking game, so that you can enjoy the movie just like we did, ripped to the tits. <laughs> and there is ever so much more to the show than that, and let me tell you, it ain't for kids. Hell, it ain't for most adults. But it might be for you. You won't know until you listen to Kiss the Goat exclusively on the Legion Network of Podcasts. That's Kiss the Goat. We're the lighter side. Of the dark side. <laughs> another world. This is the spot where it was first seen, and these are the first people who saw the thing. How did it get here? Where did it come from? What is it? That thing's alive, sir. I saw it. I shot at it. I hit it. I know it. Nothing happened. It just kept coming at me, making a noise like a cat mewing. Captain, it was awful. You could have seen those hands and those eyes. Captain, you've got to do something about it. You've got Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? Baffling questions, astounding questions that not even the world's greatest scientific minds can answer. Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? A being from another world as different from us as one pole from the other. If we can only communicate with it. See? What happened, Doctor? In the greenhouse I was working, I couldn't see. Yeah. Then... Then a blast of cold air, and I heard Olsen scream. Come here. Get in the corner. Now hold this in front of you. Stay by the light switch. 
Needles hit the top. Welcome back. First up is The Thing from Another World. This out in 1951, based on a short story called Who Goes There? Which is, well, it's not really a short story. It's a novella by John Campbell, as I said earlier, which is an amazing sci-fi book about a creature that can shapeshift. It can assume the memories and personality of any living thing that it devours. Can read thoughts and project thoughts into other people as well, can't it? Yeah, yeah, and and also when it devours someone or some, you know, another living thing, it retains its original mass. So, in the novella, it imitates a person, but it still has body mass left over. So that leftover bit imitates a dog. It, it retains. If its, its own mass was two people, it could only ever do two people maximum. It could never do three or four, or just one. Yeah. It always had to have that same mass all the time. Yeah, which is pretty awesome, I think. It was directed by Howard Hawks and Christian Nyby, or Nyby, whatever, just edit all that out. I have to say, right, it is, I mean, for movies of this time, it is really well done, I think. Ben, would you like to give us a quick rundown of the plot? So, Thing from Another World. Uh, This is one where it didn't take much from the original novella. It's like the World War Z. Yeah, this is what we were discussing. It's like... Of movie remakings. Yeah, they completely rewrote it with what they could. (laughs) Uh, They did try, in a way, with the monster to not show it as much, but the initial thing is, yeah, there's the scientists in this North Pole in this one. Yeah, right. they're, they're at the wrong pole. They're at the wrong, they're they're at the the wrong end pole. of the planet. And the scientists have tracked something has fallen to Earth. Unlike in the other ones, it's been there thousands of years. Which is the other one buried in the ice. They've just It's just crashed. And they dig it out and there's a man there after they've destroyed the ship. Because well, yeah, they're the, clever. Yeah, the, the, and this is from the novella, actually. They, they think in their infinite wisdom, because it's military, they think, well... Okay, the best way to get it... I can't get in there, so let's blow it up. No, no. They use thermite explosives on it. Yeah, but they're not trying to blow it up. They're trying to get it out of the I know they're not trying to, but in true military fashion, that's what they do. Yeah, they think we'll surround it by thermite, and, you know, that'll free it from the ice. It's not like like powdered thermite, where it just melts through. They used thermite explosives, so it's like mixed with TNT and stuff, so it explodes. Well, in the novella, it explodes because the hull is made of magnesium. Yeah, see? See what we did there? Because the author actually thought this shit through. They blow the ship up and find the pilot frozen in ice. And uh, and they're all stoked about it. One of the things I love, this movie is campy as hell, but I love the reaction when they find it because they're just like, yeah, yeah we, we, we will address the campy as hell moments in it, which <laughs> me and Misty were having a, quite a laugh about. Oh, yeah. Well, they're so stoked about it. They're just like, yeah, we found a flying saucer, not any kind of... I think you're right, Bob. I think you're right, Captain. Not not any kind of shady sort of... Like now, if it, in the modern version of this, they wouldn't... First of all, they wouldn't be excited about finding a flying saucer. But, I mean, 1951, you know, that was a, a big deal back then. People did believe in UFOs, and there were a lot of UFO sightings back then, and a lot of, you know, I mean, it was... 
it was genuinely a, a thing back in the 50s. So they were just like high five and but yeah we found a flying saucer we finally found one you know like they'd been looking <laughs> they take the pilot that's frozen in ice back to the military base yeah. which is very nice i mean this base it's like got fireplaces and like it's like a really nice little sort of lodge where they're all set playing cards yeah and everything yeah, is all yeah. Nice. it's, it's all decked out pretty sweetly yeah there's like that one little area where it's it's like a tunnel almost. It's like an underground tunnel that looks a bit a bit shoddy. But all the places where the people actually, you know, the common areas and stuff like that are really nice. <laughs> no, well, they're not underground. They're just like the connecting tunnels between the buildings. Oh, they're not underground. They left no, it. No, because if you went out, there was a door on the other side of the room next to it. Oh, right. So what we basically have is the military group and the scientist group the crazy scientist guy he's not crazy he's just as a scientist he's like this is the biggest discovery in the history of mankind this is alien life you can't just be setting it on fire and shit you know we need to be able to study it try to communicate with it but his communication thing is a bit stupid <laughs> Yeah. I think he is supposed to be that eccentric genius, almost like really autistic in a way, because he is like a super genius as a scientist, but has absolutely zero people skills, can't communicate with other people properly. It's like there's to the point where he gets tired of talking, so he just gets her to read his notes to the rest of them to explain what he wants. That's all she's that's all she's there for is to read. That's her job. Read she she notes. reads his notes out to everybody and then types them for him. And you got the one press guy there as well, haven't you? He's the yeah, I love the press guy. He's the one that was like, Yeah, we found this flying saucer. I get where he's I get where he's coming from and everything. You know, when he does get the chance to try to communicate with him. His like you were saying is he he's got no people skills like he his his body posture is all wrong his tone of voice is all wrong I mean you got to think yeah this, this thing's age, this thing's coming up ready to attack he he just runs straight up to it about two foot in front of his face going we mean you no harm yeah and I'm sorry but it, this is an, this is an alien from another world odds are doesn't speak English so uh, this thing he's like he can teach us so many things about our own planet and we're like what. <laughs> what can this thing from another planet teach us about our planet? Yeah, it doesn't know about our planet. <laughs> and it's obviously crashed here. It hasn't landed. That guy. And he has, he has like, the nicest coat. I just want to add that. Of everyone, when they're standing around in the ice and stuff, he's got, like, a proper posh coat with, like, a fur collar and, like, a fur hat and everything. Like, he's the fancy hipster yeah. one. He has all the posh, <laughs> expensive gear. But it breaks... What it breaks down to is the military guys who um, see this as a danger and the sci the group of scientists that want to study it military want to kill it scientists want to keep it pretty much the same story of, of any other military versus science thing but the thing is is that the scientists they're not portrayed as like being crazy or being mad or wanting to screw anyone over they're just portrayed as being like a bit naive you know they, they, they think well this this thing is is way more intelligent than us it's stronger than us it can teach us and something. I don't know where they got that from that it's way more intelligent because it, it built the flying saucer yeah, but, that can go but across like, but like I was saying to you it's like, this thing crashed it how do you know it didn't steal it well, if it's even if it stole it, that's still more intelligent. Like a human could not go and freaking carjack a UFO. That's true. That's we true. wouldn't be able to pilot it. 
I'll give so you that. Still, <laughs> it might just be. It might have like sat nav in it or autopilot. It wouldn't know how to turn you autopilot just, on. Yeah, but it might just have pictures of planets. You just point it and go. Oh, I'll go that one. <laughs> I we am, don't know. I am betting that that is. But not that the would case. be cool. I am so betting that when that is we not finally the build case. spaceships, that's what I want in it. You know, pick a planet in the solar system. You just push that button, and it takes you to it. Done. Sit back, have a cup They're of tea. They're not gonna ever. No, that's not gonna happen. That that is how it works. But instead of pushing a picture of a planet, you have to put coordinates in, and then it goes to the coordinates. No, I don't want to do that. That's far too complicated. Well, that's why you're not going to be allowed in space. That's why you are not an astronaut, Ben. You should have nice pictures of all the planets. The, the only reason that you didn't succeed and become an astronaut is because you are lazy and don't want to press in coordinates. You could have totally Maybe. done it otherwise. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I could get over that of just not putting in coordinates, I could be one tomorrow. You don't, you're so good. You're so good. I would be able to if they let me smoke in space. <laughs> like in all the alien movies, they get to smoke, but when I try to do it, oh, fuck no. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't think I like it. Yeah, when, <laughs> when the spaceship's <laughs> about to launch and you're just stood at the bottom near the engine just trying to spark your fag off the moon. <laughs> anyway, back to the thing from another world. Um, we are focusing... Uh, so basically, yeah, it's a group from one area of the North Pole, and they need to fly over to examine it. They bring the thingy back, the thingy in ice. Yeah, this is the thing because um, obviously in the novella, it is the thing. <laughs> in the novella, it was a shape-shifting monster. This is the thing. In this one, they, it's just a human being, sort, you know, humanoid monster, and. The, the bit that got me in all of this movie was when the the uh, it obviously woke up after the, the oh, wait, blanket wait, and escaped we, and the say, dogs ripped itself hold, off and they were on. testing it. Hold on, hold on. Can we talk about how it escaped from the ice? Because I find that hilarious. Oh, yeah. Clever boy on his watch decides to put an electric heated blanket on it. Yeah, put it, put it, because yeah. he, he wanted to cover it up because it, it was freaking I, him out. I, I don't think so he realised it was plugged in, in though, because he was wearing the heated flight suit. The other guy had the electric blanket. He yeah. just saw a blanket and threw it on it to cover up its face because he didn't want to see yeah, it. Yeah, but, okay, let, let's think about that, right? He was sat there for at least two hours while that was just melting. He didn't have headphones on or anything. You could hear. Yeah, I know. He, he <laughs> but you got to think as well, though. They had the window popped open as well, so all he could hear was the storm as well. And he was sat reading a book. I don't know. I think the guy just sucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's really lucky that he didn't electrocute himself. I mean, that's that's not safe putting an electric blanket onto wet yeah. things like blocks so of ice with aliens well, in yeah. them. But yeah, when it escapes and the dogs attack it and it rips one of his arms off, and you know, obviously they give chase and manage to they get one of the arms from under the dogs, and they bring it back to the lab and test it, and they like try to t describe what this creature is after doing all the blood. Work it's on a it. plant monster. It's a plant monster, and he's like, so it's like some sort of super carrot. It's like, oh my god, the alien in this movie is a super carrot. I freaking love it. Super carrot. Yes, it is. It's it's made of plants. It's got no internal organs. It's got no veins. It's got no nerve endings, and it feeds off of blood. Which I don't even want to get into the logistics of that. Like, so does it have a supply of bleeding things on the? ship that it 
ate on the way to Earth? And how does it... Does it go dormant when it hasn't had enough? Well, it's a plant, so it, it must shrivel away or something. Like when a plant doesn't have water. And does that and does it have to be a certain type of... Like, how does it know that our blood is compatible with its feeding needs? I mean... That's the thing. We've got a lot of disease. Humans are gross, Yeah, dude. but it, it took the dog's <sighs> blood as well, didn't it? Yeah, but that's what I mean. And like, then the dog creates these crazy little plants that, like, are alive and pulsing, which is just creepy. And he thinks that's cool. And it's like, yeah, if that thing grows into one of what this is, you've just made about 40 more of them. Yeah, but, I mean, he's a scientist, so he's going to study it. The hand, basically, he got the, he got the seeds because the um, when they were examining the hand that had been ripped off by the dogs, it released a seed pod, and he planted it, fed it blood, and grew these little plant things that were actually kind of adorable looking. It would have been funnier if they were little plants and they had the little man-shaped things hanging off them and they just grew. Because <laughs> that's kind of what plants are like. You know, they look <laughs> the same, they just grow and get bigger. So if it was just like a little man who was wiggling around, and then he just got bigger and bigger. Until he was like dwarf size and they could like kick him. No, because he could kick your ass. Because he's a fucking plant. No, you don't know how strong he is. It, well, the big one's really strong, so imagine like the little ones would be strong too. Wait till he's a foot tall and then you get a really big dog to pee on him. No, you can't mark territory if it moves. Anyway, anyway. So yeah, they they did really good with the lighting. You know, they didn't show him in direct lighting so much because... Honestly, he doesn't look great. And uh, they knew it's that. yeah, it's not good. It's a big guy that kind of looks like a um, like a. It was a rip off Frankenstein monster. Yeah, it was like a pound store Frankenstein. Well, not really though, because I mean, you see some of the the still footage and the camera shots from the movie, the makeup they actually did on him. On the but still photos, it was crap. No, the, you know, <laughs> where, all the blending of the head and stuff like that. It was done really well, but it wasn't right for this movie so the thing quietly i mean he it's it's good because he hides he stalks he's he's not just blatantly going after them like a big dumb animal or something he's stalking them but when he does he bursts through the door and starts charging him like a big dumb animal <laughs> well that was like more at the end before that i mean it was yeah, he was hiding bodies, locking the doors behind him and stuff so they couldn't keep track of him. Exactly, it was really good. Now, I feel like we haven't gone into the characters really that much so far. <laughs> We've just been sort of rambling about random stuff that pops into our head uh, about the movie. I want to talk about the Captain and Bob. They are so together. I don't know why he's pretending to be straight. It, it does seem in this movie that they're trying to force the Captain to be this sort of heterosexual captain in the army or air force whatever it's supposed to be with um, what's what her name uh, the Miss girl Miss Nichols Nikki Miss Nicholson or yeah Miss Nicholson she is the assistant to the head scientist hipster guy and uh, all it seems that she does is take notes and then read back notes yeah but the whole thing between her and the captain there's like this sort of forced relationship between them but all the way through the movie, there's this little sort of subplot between him and um, and Bob. Uh, yeah, there is something uh, Cruch, totally going on Cruch's with those Bob. two. It, it is. There's a lot of like still quiet looks between them. In I think you're right. I think you are. 
Yes. Now, what gets me when he when he says about because Bob is on watch and he goes to the captain and he's like, you know, this thing's really creeping me out because its eyes are open and it really looks like it's looking at me and stuff like that. And the captain is like, is saying, you know, well, you know, I'll send this guy to to shift out with you in a couple of hours and then I'll come and shift out, you know, that kind of thing. And the way they're looking and smiling at each other. I'm sorry, but it's more than a bromance. That is not, yeah. You guys have some shit going on, and you know, don't hide it. Yeah, they feel to, like <laughs> to each other like Captain America feels about Bucky. And every time anything, like any time anything, kind of not even flirty, but remote, because there's a scene where one of the other men is adjusting the captain's tie and shirt and everything and Bob walks in and he's got this look on his face like he's about to walk up and kick the guy's ass <laughs> and, and, and it's, it's a bit of a to the end but at the end when the captain is sat talking to Nikki on the bed they're sat chatting next to each other and Bob sat behind them as they're talking and they're all sort of like the captain and her are chatting and Bob is just his eyes are just burning a hole in the back of the woman's head I know he looks like he wants to just slap the shit out of her doesn't he it's so funny it's like stop flirting with my captain you, you leave cat. him alone <laughs> but I mean it, it is it is you know I mean I, I get it like it, back in the 50s white men could do whatever they wanted without repercussions they could beat their wives they could do i mean they could do anything except be gay and grow a beard apparently growing a beard back then was not okay either um which means that in this ver in this original uh film you don't get the glorious beards that you get from John Carpenter's no, version every, of the everyone's thing. Everyone's clean shaven. Oh yeah, perfectly pressed uniforms and all that. Um, but let's talk a bit about Nikki. Let's yeah. talk a bit about Miss Nicholson because yeah, she is just there to take notes. So hold on, her name is actually Nikki Nicholson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, she's so got to be sort of some superhero. I love her. I absolutely oh, love yeah. her character. She She's a proper dom. She's she's so funny and she's so powerful. Yeah, especially for a nineteen fifties movie. She's I mean she has the captain tied to a chair while she's I love feeding, that. feeding like, him his drink. Yeah, the bondage sure scene. The bondage scene in the thing from another world. She's because apparently what you gather is that they had met before and he had taken her on a date and gotten completely wasted out of his mind and passed out. And she left a note on his chest that all the other soldiers saw before he woke up because he had gotten so shit-faced. And, um, yeah, she's she's just... She's strong. She's independent. And, uh, and she spends the first half of the movie just taking the piss out of him for it. Yeah, and so he's like, "Oh, I'll, I'll have a drink with you and stuff." And uh, she ties him up. She's got his hand tied around his back and is feeding him booze, and then kisses him while he's tied up. It's like, "Oh, I'd never, I'd never do such a thing if you weren't tied up." And you're sat there going, "Yeah, girl." <laughs> I bet you would. I bet you would. <laughs> I do. I love her to pieces, even though she's got fifties pointy boobs. <laughs> yeah, you see it very much. She's always in charge. She always sits above him. Look. Yeah, yeah. She's always she's always in a in a. And to do that to the captain as well, which is quite interesting. 
Yeah, she's not. She's never in a weak position. She's not running around screaming and, and throwing herself on the floor as if she's tripped over nothing. Yeah, when she kisses him, it isn't just like she reaches over and kisses him. She grabs him by the back of the head. It's like, no, you're going to kiss me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty great. Yeah, it's, it's weird when you look at it into, into the movie this way because it addresses a lot of things you don't really think a 1950s movie would. Well, I think... I don't know. It's, no, it's especially for a horror movie as well at that time. Just the way it portrays a lot of the characters, it's very well done. Well, you definitely, I can't. There's not a lot of movies made back in the 1950s that have a female character in it that actually that isn't a screaming lunatic. Yeah, she has a brain, she has a mind of her own. You know, it, it's great, and she's perfectly comfortable dominating a man and tying him to a chair, which is awesome. <laughs> but. It doesn't matter because I'm fairly positive that the captain only has eyes for Bob. Oh, very much so. <laughs> He's only pretending to like her. Yeah, yeah. He's happy with Bob. But um, but anyway, so they all end up sort of because it doesn't have in the okay in this movie, uh, the thing doesn't shape shift at all. It is just a guy. Yeah, it doesn't stick very well to the novella. It doesn't stick to the novella at all. It's it's a big guy in a, in a um, monster makeup, and they are trying to figure out how to take it out, which they end up doing. Spoilers. Okay, this movie came out in 1951. If anybody bitches to me about spoilers for this, I swear to God. Oh, <laughs> if no, you right. haven't seen it by now... Either, either <laughs> of these movies we're doing, if you haven't seen, or, I mean, it's 951. Tough, if you haven't seen it. We're going to spoil the crap of it. <laughs> John Carpenter's, if you haven't seen that, oh my god, where have you been for the last 30 odd years? I, see, I'm not even concerned about John Carpenter's because I don't I don't think you can really call yourself a horror fan and have not seen that movie. I know, right? I, I think everyone has seen that movie, you know. If I'm they fairly... haven't, they can't call themselves into horror at all. <laughs> but you get that you get the sense of isolation. You know, there's a bit more animal cruelty in this. They just have the dog sort of chained up out in the snow instead of in kennels. He, d again, doesn't shapeshift. He just drains dogs and, and people of blood. And they, they go about locking various parts of this base so that they can corner it into one specific area. And they set up these electrical lines. Yeah, across the floor on the wooden runners on their decking in their little tunnel. Yeah, and to the, electrocute it, which is the the one thing that we've seen a lot of, and which is true to the novella, because that's how they kill it in the novella. Yeah, with electricity, not with direct fire. They burn it with high ampage. Can we talk about the fire scenes in this movie, right quick? Before that, we go oh, into that, the the first main fire scene where they went bush and try like gasoline on it, petroleum. Oh my god, that they was pour it into buckets. That was truly terrifying. <laughs> I cannot believe the actors survived it. Well, yeah, because. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't fuck around. This was really done. You can see it. It bursted through the door, and they literally got sling one bucket of gasoline on it, set fire to it, and then sling more on it. And you see this fire run underneath the actors and around them. There's one where the monster is walking up to Nikki, where she's holding a mattress up against the door. Yeah. And one of them throws oh gasoline over the monster while she's holding it. This thing pours all over the mattress, all around her. Yeah. All over the monster. And there's just fire everywhere. They burn this entire room down with like 15 people in it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that they survived that. Brilliantly that, done. Holy Brilliantly shit. done. I mean, I, if, I, if I was more um, responsible, I would have done some research to see if anyone was injured during any of these scenes. Because 
it it would honestly shock the hell out of me if they weren't because it looked so like it did it had me on the edge of my seat I, I thought no people are actually being hurt here that is insane how they did it wow you know uh, I know I've been reading a bit of the, the trivia on these and the scene where the thing was doused in kerosene and set ablaze is believed to be the first full body burn accomplished by any stuntman really yeah Nice trivia, babe. Oh. Check you out. I can read. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, you don't normally look stuff like that up. I'm impressed. <laughs> so there you have it. You heard it here first. First. And it was actually the only scene where it wasn't James Arness in it. It was Tom Steele, the stuntman. Well, it would be, wouldn't it? I mean, would you let them do that to you? I, I don't envy him, though, because <laughs> I was just looking at it. And he actually wore an asbestos suit. Oh God! It's best. Happy days. <laughs> Holy shit, man! <laughs> okay, we need to cover you in his best. I've got to cover this. Fire this is still on the fire You're right with that. I'm reading this out now. Steel wore an asbestos suit with a special fiberglass helmet with an oxygen supply underneath. He used a hundred percent oxygen supply, which was highly combustible. It was pure luck he didn't burn his lungs while breathing in the mixture or explode. Jesus Christ, man! Ah, <laughs> oh, 50s, they knew how health and safety back then, didn't they? Holy fuck! Oh my god, that is terrifying. And he agreed to do that. Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, he was uh, like, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's cool, I sorry. can do that. <laughs> While I'm reading through the trivia, um, James Arnest, the one who played the monster, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually reportedly regarded his role as so embarrassing he didn't even bother attending the premiere. I, see, I told you, it's the monster suit. Yeah, <laughs> but um, anyway, so they they've locked everything down and they set the electricity thing up, and the monster comes, you know, skulking through, and walks through the arc that they've set up, and it electrocutes him. And this is where the press guy fails so hard because it electrocutes him until he dies. Then they turn it off, and he's like, "Well, you can get your picture now." Oh my god, what kind of reporter are you? You should have been taking pictures that entire time. Like, I mean, as soon as it burst through the door, that camera should have been clicking. And, yeah. So, the thing is dead. They burn the little seed pod plant things that the scientists are throwing. Yeah, it's a fire to everything that they have. Yeah. And he finally gets on the radio because, obviously... As in John Carpenter's, they've had radio issues the entire time. And the uh, the reporter is finally able to get through on the radio. And it ends the movie on uh, with the lines, uh, to everyone the, the, hearing the my voice. The most famous lines, yeah. Yeah, to everyone hearing my voice out there. Uh, watch the skies. Watch the skies. You know, Which watch the skies. And he repeats and it. And revered is one of the... You know, one of the greatest lines at the end of any of the horror movies. Yeah, just watch the skies, watch the skies, watch the skies. Which is what we address, will be addressed in John Carpenter's, where it isn't watch the skies. Like no. Said, it's watch each other. W- yeah, which is a very... Yeah, we'll get into that yeah. here in a minute. Um, so, there you have it. It's, it's overall... It's campy, but it is really a fun movie, and I do enjoy the hell out of it. I, I Especially really for its time. It. I mean, for its time, exceptionally made. Yeah. And uh, the, the scares are pretty well done. The lighting's well done. And you know what? I want to touch on the dialogue, actually, because in a lot of these 50s movies, um, it's very robotic. 
it's very much like this does start off that way but it sort of develops very quickly yeah you, you know you do a line and then I'll do a line of dialogue and then we'll take turns kind of thing and it's always that sort of fast paced American white male speaking where I'm going to talk like that really concisely and then the next person speaks yeah. all the time it doesn't do that in this movie in this movie they speak over each other they interrupt each other they talk at the same time when they're having conversations and I found that really I found that refreshing kind of like me and you babe yeah we can't really talk without talking over each other <laughs> but I found it refreshing I found it a lot more natural than than, than these many of these old uh, black and white 50s monster movies so babe what are you gonna give the thing from another world if if I was in the 50s and had just watched this I would have given it a 5 for it's time maybe a 4 but obviously we're not in 1950 we're a uh, many many years after that so I'm going to give it a good three purely because it it spawns something great I'm going to I'm going to give it a good three as well but not just because it spawns something great because I really do think it's it's a good movie it's... and because it was actually on the TV in Halloween uh, oh yeah it was wasn't it that's what the little kids were watching in Halloween yeah that was the Halloween movie when, oh, when uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was babysitting them on the TV was uh, man, this movie. I am so impressed with you tonight. You've been like reading stuff and looking things up and shit. I've been That's drinking rum. Like I remember all. silly facts when I've been drinking rum. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I'm gonna get, I think it's a good movie. I think it holds up. It's still fun for me to watch. Um, I like sort of the the 50s camp. And I find, and I get a nice uh, dominating female character, which you know I'm I'm gonna love that. So yeah, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a three and a half. I'm gonna give it a strong three and a half stars. Uh, I recommend it. So on average, three and a quarter. <laughs> Do we average out our scores now? Is that a no? Thing? But for tonight, I'm going to. <laughs> All right, right. Um, well, I guess that's. Do you have anything you want to add about the thing from another world? No. <laughs> All right, darling. Well, we will uh, be back in a little bit after this break with John Carpenter's The Thing, The Challenger. Which will be put to death and which will achieve the Hall of Fame? Who will win? <laughs> Monday, Monday, Monday. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back after this break. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host, Duncan McLeish, and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic, old-school horror favourites, as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms. To see you will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under the Stairs, signing off.
Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore i am in the most sincerest of senses disappointed in you it takes a powerful goddess like connie jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it i'm still tripping out over that even as a kid i was like i gotta find a girl like that every week i, I get a new look of disappointment that i never thought i could it's get out of unimaginable her. at 12 years old you should not be watching this obviously at 13 you should not be 14 you shouldn't be i'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch one. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. All right, we are back. We recorded the last review last night, and uh, today, obviously, being the next day, uh, as some of you know, we've had this idea of doing this uh, these versus shows for about I don't know six months or so. About six seven months, yeah. And we told everyone about it, and today on Facebook, another podcast on a different network dropped. And the entire podcast is doing the exact same thing that we're doing right now. It's taking an original and a remake uh, and reviewing them and declaring one the winner. Um, I don't think they're going to be executing the loser like we are. But it, d- it did say that um, it was a relaunch. So I don't know if this was an old podcast that stopped 
producing for a while and I've just I've never heard of it or you know like a sort of great minds think alike type of situation I'm not sure so uh, a friend of mine who hosts the uh, who filmed this shit podcast which is really good and you should check out asked me if we were still going to go through with doing these versus episodes and I was like well yeah because we had the idea and I think it's fun so yeah we're already halfway through recording yeah yeah and um it just seemed like a lot of fun because I like to slate movies even though this one doesn't isn't getting as much negative feedback as some of the future versus episodes we'll get yeah we've started our versus (laughs) on a very difficult one to be fair Mm. So uh, we like a challenge. We figured the best thing we could do is just carry on and just try to make ours a little bit better and make it stand out. So we figured, what makes everything better? Sex. Sex. So here you are. We're going to give you a little bit of sex with your versus episode. So, are you going to be our new manager? It looks that way. Yes. In the meantime, may I audition your pussy? There you go. We said a little bit. (laughs) All right, we're totally up there now. (laughs) Anyway, um, so to get on with the actual rest of the show, right now that we have now that we have used sex to sell you, um, we're gonna get on with the rest of the episode. So, next up, battling against the thing from another world, we bring you John Carpenter's The Thing. I'm going to hide this tape when I'm finished. If none of us make it, at least there'll be some kind of record. The storm's been hitting us hard now for 48 hours. We still have nothing to go on. What were they doing flying that low? Shooting at a dog. At us. Mm, Cabin fever, who knows? Get a hold of somebody. Get a hold of anybody. We've got to report this mess. I doubt if anybody's talked to anybody on this entire continent, and you want me to reach somebody. Looks like something buried under the ice. We ought to just burn these things. Can't burn the find of the century. That's going to win somebody the Nobel Prize. Thousands of years ago, it crashes, and this thing gets thrown out or crawls out and it ends up freezing in the ice. This is pure nonsense. Doesn't prove a thing. Decree there is still cellular activity in these bird remains. They're not dead yet. You see what we're talking about here is an organism that imitates other life forms and it imitates them perfectly. Every little piece is an individual animal with a built-in desire to protect its own life. So how do we know who's human? If I was an imitation, a perfect imitation, how would you know if it was really me? Somebody in this camp ain't what he appears to be. Right now, that may be one or two of us. By spring, it could be all of us. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And it's one. There's a storm hitting us in six hours. We're gonna find out who's who. Nobody trusts anybody now. Benny's was right there, Mac. I swear to God, it had a hold of him. Things out there trying to imitate him, Gary. You gonna let him give the orders? I mean, he can feed one of those things.
a thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. My darling, would you like to give a quick synopsis? I don't think I really need to with this movie. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, seen it, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's it's tradition. You gotta you gotta Okay, we have a group of Americans at an Antarctic base, which from the earlier review is more accurate to the original novella. Because it was based in the South Pole, not the North Pole. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it starts off with this airplane, uh, airplane helicopter chasing a dog through the snow, shooting at it. The Norwegians, one blows himself up, the other one gets shot in the face by the Americans who were acting in self-defense. So yeah, they they take the dog in. Because we're here for just summarising. They take the dog in then it transforms into the big monstery thing and then starts taking over everybody. Nobody knows who the thing is or what the thing is. Uh, they try killing it all with fire and then we get to the end and we still don't know if it's all been killed off or if somebody still is one. Oh, we're going to ha- we're going to have a discussion about the end later, but for right now, yeah, brief synopsis. Yeah, it's a group of um researchers in Antarctica and they are accosted by the thing. Now, like Ben mentioned, John Carpenter's version is way closer to the original novella than... It is a direct ode, because he said in sort of numerous sort of documentaries and interviews that he was a massive fan of, of Thing From Another World and of the original novella, but he wanted to do it sort of closer to home with the novella. Yeah, yeah, and I know a lot of people say that um, the thing from another world was was limited, like they had to make it a sort of carrot monster um, because of the lack of technology, but really, I don't buy that. I think it was more a lack of vision than technology because it replicates people exactly. It, gets, it, it assumes their shape, it gets their memories, their personality, all of that. Which so, they could have easily done back then, no problem at all. Yeah. It wasn't a super carrot. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I mean, that's that's what they wanted to do with it. John um, Carpenter. As far as supercurrent movies go, it wasn't bad. Yeah, absolutely. We gave it a decent score, but John Carpenter wanted it to be um, less about sort of the uh, the 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 man against the other, you know, like this other force, this alien force. And more about um, the isolation and man being pitted against itself. You yeah, know, he liked the unknown. Is everyone sus- suspected? Everyone else. And, and like I said, he said the biggest thing he wanted to get, get away from was the man in a suit. Oh, he succeeded at that, big time. Because, uh, and okay, the thing about it is, is that when this movie came out in the theaters, it was absolutely destroyed by critics. They did not like it. They said it was depressing. It was lonely. It was boring. It just sucked. And well, it's it's like we we've talked about ourselves. It's um, I said it came out at the same time as Blade Runner, which also got slated in the cinemas. But then, like this, became a massive cool movie. But it wasn't that far after ET. So everybody's yeah. all in love with this nice alien who's friendly to everybody, and you know you feel sorry for him. And then John Carpenter brings out this vicious, nasty. Uh, kill everything monster of an alien and 
I think it shocked a lot of people this time, especially, I mean, the effects that you see in it are still superior to many, many movies that are brought out even oh, today. We'll, we'll get on the effect. We will we'll be talking at length about the effects because some of the stuff they did in this movie uh, it set a benchmark and deservedly so. It still hasn't been reached by anyone else, really. Par- parallels to the um, novella, though, he, obviously, this this is a thing that replicates people, animals, other living things. Um, but in the novella, and I'm sure we mentioned this last review, the thing was telepathic and could project thoughts. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad he left that out because if if the thing had had that ability, the movie would have been 20 minutes long. They would have all been completely fucked. <laughs> but he captured the sense of paranoia and isolation in this movie better than any other movie I think I've ever seen. It's so well done. Just It just feels... Oh yeah, I mean, a lot of people do still claim this to be their favorite horror movie of all time and one of the best made movies of all time. I'm one of those people. It's, I'm, it's I'm kind m- of in agreement. It's my, it's my favorite horror movie. Yeah. Doesn't Age is still amazing to watch. You don't cringe at any of the effects because now they've dated, you know, 30 years on. Still it still look- looks absolutely pristine amazing. Wow. And so- like, um, was it uh, Rob Bottin that did all the special effects in it? At 22 years old. And he made this thing. Yeah, well, and the attention to detail. But like I said, we'll, we're going to go on a whole massive thing about the effects. But this this research team, they, uh, as Ben mentioned, you know, the movie starts out with a helicopter chasing a dog from the Norwegian base. So they stroll over to the Norwegian base, and they find it in complete disarray and um, and things like that. And you never really... I mean, they get some videotapes and stuff that shows them again finding the spaceship finding, and the block of ice with the yeah, thing keep, in it. keeping in with the novella and with a thing from another world they blow up the spaceship with thermite trying to release it from the ice um, and find they don't destroy the ship though they do destroy the ship yes they do they do destroy the ship they blow it up which you can edit this bit if you want but yeah they do which is one of the big beefs that I had with the 2011 prequel because they didn't blow up the ship and they do that early on in this movie in the novella and in the thing from another world I guess but in yeah in the the 2011 one it it does get blown up but at the end yeah which is you know it shows clearly on the page it's supposed to be a fuck up at the beginning (laughs) when they're first getting the alien out yeah. You know, and they, they find, what, a pile of burned, mangled, crazy bodies uh, outside. And uh, they find a guy that's committed suicide inside. All right, the suicide guy, right, he slit his wrists and then and then slit his throat, right? And, I mean, massive throat slitting. I just don't know about the logistics of this. I mean, okay, I know it's a movie. It doesn't but- say it's suicide. Well, no, it 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 it, it is suicide. Uh, it's uh, yeah. fairly obvious that. I mean, it's it could be the thing just <laughs> one big slash. The thing doesn't work that way. <laughs> How do you know? Because well, has it ever done that Not with really. anyone else? <laughs> this is when it first came out of the ice, though. Yeah, no, the, the, it's fairly obvious the guy committed suicide, but I'm wondering about the logistics of it because if you slit your wrist deep enough, 
to, to bleed out. You're going to cut all those tendons and everything in your wrist. You're not going to be able to hold the razor blade to then slash your throat, are you? And if you slash your throat first, then you're going to go unconscious faster than you would be able to... You know what I mean? Like, you'd go it unconscious so did, quickly, you wouldn't be able to... Does it really show you wrist. if you did both wrists or just one? You might still have one working hand. No, it shows you. There's, there's both. Both wrists and the throat. But, yeah, I know it's a movie. But that, 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 that always, I was like, how do you... I don't know if you can do that. I don't know if that's a thing you can do. But you never know. Anyway, so... Yeah, as as Ben said, the dog uh, that they took in is is obviously the thing. And uh, once they finally put it in the kennel with the other dogs, it starts to transform and assimilate the other dogs. Which uh, I remember freaky as hell. when our when our oldest daughter was about se- I'd say she was about eight years old. Yeah. We she were, still can't watch that bit. Yeah, we were in bed watching this movie, and she came running into our room. It was late at night. She was meant to be in bed, but she needed what she needed like a glass of water or something like that. Right when the dog's face splits open and was traumatized, we were like, yeah. "Close your eyes." No, she just wanders in, <laughs> looks to our telly, and just sees dog splitting open. It's like not the best time to walk in the room. Really. Yeah, yeah, bless her heart. And, and to this day, I say if we put it on. She'll be like, is it past the dog set? She's tried to watch it a couple of times and she still can't watch that one scene. <laughs> it is proper messed her up. Oh, bless her. Um, but the attention to detail, like, I, I did not know this until watching a documentary a few weeks ago about it. The flower thing, the flower-looking thing that comes out when the dog yeah, is transforming. When they're, bur- when they're burning, actually, doesn't it? And it spins yeah, out. It spins out and blooms, but it's dog tongues. With yeah, rows with of teeth, teeth on the inside, and I'd never noticed that before. But attention to detail like that is what made the effects so good, and what made this movie so much fun. You know, the the thing it, it they eventually decide on a test. You know, to try to figure out because they they just start turning on each other and being really paranoid, which is you know pretty much what the thing derives everybody to do. Well, it's pretty much this the reaction that anyone would have in that situation. Not very I think. much so, yeah. And so they devise, they devise a test. Uh, they take blood tests from everyone, blood samples. And he heats up this wire and um, jabs it into the blood and Rah! Yeah, whoever's blood reacts is yeah. the thing. Um, and we get some... An some, actual proper jump scare. Yeah, we get some more amazing effects. And they figured it out because of one of the one of the greatest scenes I think of any movie it, it appears a guy is what happens to him that he needs to be defibrillated oh no that he has a heart attack yeah it appears a guy's had a heart attack and they start defib- defibrillating defibrillate defibrillating defibrillating <laughs> defibrillating why can't I say that word defibrillating De- yeah so he says the shocky paddle thing on his chest <laughs> Because I'm not going to try to say that anymore. Defibrillating. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when he, you know, presses the paddles down, his stomach and chest open, open up. up um, clamp down on the dog's hands. Yeah, there's massive teeth clamp down on the doctor's arms and, and rip them off. Now, for this scene, they actually, they made a prosthetic mask 
thing of, of the doctor screaming. You have the doctor screaming and found a guy that actually has no arms. That had lost his arms in some horrible accident. Yeah. And, and fixed these like <laughs> latex rubbery like and they actually had all the veins and they used um, They used jelly veins, they made the bones out of wax. Wax and everything, yeah. So it actually had his arms, so when he reached it and they copied every single piece from the doctor's arms, the hair, every single little freckle, so it was a perfect replica. Same with Vance, the guy who was on the table. Oh yeah, they got he, even he says himself that when he has got his always bare chest open because it isn't him. His whole body isn't in that the entire scene. It's just his head sticking out and the whole body's fake. Which you would never have known through that whole scene. Yeah, didn't they have a but, guy that yeah. was just working on the chest hair pattern? Yeah, just the <laughs> chest hair. They replicate it so well that he, he says even to this day, when he looks at it, he cannot tell that that's not actually him. Yeah. Um. So the, you know, the doctors freaks out obviously, and they set fire to the thing. And, and his head's... And the freakiest, freakiest scene ever. I thought it was really well done. His head just sort of comes off, slides down the table and onto the floor, sprouts it's, it's, spidery this, legs. Well, it, no, his tongue sort of whips out to a chair and pulls itself under the desk so it's out of view. Oh, And yeah, then sprouts spider legs and two little antenna eyes. Yeah. I mean, but to this day that has not been nothing has been done as well as that it's such a good effect and it's so fun and even though it's it's not you know I like the actors reactions to it because they've just finished burning the whole body and then they sort of just turn around and there's this little spider thing and they're just like you've got to be fucking kidding me <laughs> it's like it, seriously what, how else can you react to that sort of thing it's, you, can I can I just add that this there are no women in this movie which I have no problem with I like that it's all men, that it's... Okay, one of the critics' complaints is that these guys are just kind of fodder. They're just there for the alien to kill. But I don't think that's true. I think each character, even the ones that are not on screen that for that long, they still have distinct personalities. I mean, you can tell aspects of it. Like, for example... Um, I mean, they're all written so well, to be honest. Every single character. Well, yeah, absolutely. And when they were up there filming, they were—they had what it was like a barge or something. They were all staying in. Yeah, so they which were is, all which is actually tighter living quarters than what they show you on here. So they spent like, a long, long time in very close proximity to each other. Which is good because it gave them that sort of camaraderie, and and you know they were able to relate to each other. But th this was some of that was also addressed in one of the sort of documentaries about it was all the actors because I mean they, they try to keep so true to it like um, people who actually do this sort of research because there's no TV or internet or anything like that really up there especially at this time there wasn't internet in existence yeah um, they used to record all of their favourite shows and movies to re-watch while they're there and that is exactly what they did through the making of this movie so they were in keeping with it which I just thought was a nice touch from the actors side they were sort of they all sort of got in that sort of headspace so that's why you sort of all got to you got to love and feel sorry for and feel attached to all the characters in this because they all had their own distinct personality they weren't just there just to be killed off and what you know what me and Ben <laughs> because as you know you, you are our loyal listeners and you know damn well that me and Ben do not research anything Jack we just shit. we research fuck all we watch the movies and then just 
drink rum and talk about him. But luckily and with this one, we've spent that many years watching it and things about it. We we actually know some things, at least. Well, well. Until. Well. Until. <laughs> I was going to say, we, we thought we did, but then we realized how little we knew about it when we were getting ready to record this because one of our favorite characters in the movie, neither one of us could remember how he died. Neither one of us, we were sat there thinking. I Knowles. was like, how does he die? How yeah. does Knowles die? Well, we were both talking about, like, if, if you were in this movie, like, yeah, who would you be? Yeah, if you were be? a character, who would you be kind yeah, of like, thing, yeah. What, which character best represent? And I was I was Knowles. Knowles. Yeah. Fuck yeah, Knowles. Ch- chilling Roller out, skates. skating around and stuff. <laughs> and then we're like, when does he actually die? Because he's not in the end. What happens yeah, to him? Yeah, he, he obviously, something happens to him, but neither of us could remember what it was. And I actually had to look this one up. Yeah, Ben did before, research, you before guys. Before I rewatched the movie, I had to know, because the, it just annoyed <laughs> me that much, because I've seen this movie so many times. I've been and, watching it since I was 14, I was and like, never thought happens? about it, really. And it's right at the end, when they follow the dock down into the underground sort of ice cave part, and all you see is he hears a noise, and so sees some movement in the distance, and runs off. And that's it. He just vanishes. You never hear or see from him ever again. And that that's it. That's how he goes. And I never, ever really got onto that. Which, I mean... I feel ashamed. I feel, yeah, I felt like... But, but that's how we watch movies. We don't watch movies analytically. We watch movies... We just accept them. We just kick back and accept what we're being shown. I think because of that, we don't notice as much as a lot of the movie buffs and... Uh, yeah, we're not podcasters out there. We don't like, watch movies to analyze them. We watch them because we enjoy them, or we're already before we even start recording, us out there taking the piss out of them. Depending yeah, on the movie. Ex- just just give us what you got. Show us what you got. We will accept it, and we'll either like it or hate it. You know, but we won't question it. We can generally sort of accept that our first opinion is when you hear us running about these movies is what you'll think when you first watch it without having to analyze it. <laughs> just accept the movie as it is, and you can pretty much follow us word for word. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, that really bugged me that I didn't, and I just never put it together. And Ben had to actually look something up. This is the first time, first time we've looked something up. <laughs> I won't either confirm nor deny that. <laughs> so really, instead of making the shit 2011 prequel, they could have given us a sequel with Knowles being rescued. Yeah. But he's really the thing, yeah. and being taken into like. Well, you would have had Knowles, you know. Childs, and McCready. You could have got away with still being alive at the end. Let's talk about the end for a second. Um, well, first, did you want to go on your rant about the whole breaking out of the window at the beginning? Because that really bothers you. Every time <laughs> Every we watch time. this movie, Ben gets really like, "Why? Why does he break? You're in Antarctica. Why would you break the window out?" <laughs> Every time I watch this, the scene when the Norwegians first show up. And the captain, wherever he is, he sees him shoot one of his guys in the leg, and the other one blows himself up with the helicopter. And he, he before the Norwegians even come around, he's already smashed this window, ready to point a gun at him. And as the Norwegian walks around, uh, that he's shooting at the dock, he shoots the Norwegian in the eye. And I'm saying, you're in the Antarctic. The last thing you want to do is break a window. <laughs> to let all the cold in. I mean, he could have quietly just moved, well, I think it was like two feet to his left and just slightly opened the door. Uh, it just seemed the most pointless hey, action in the entire movie. He's not a man of planning. He's a man of action. Fuck your pussy-ass door opening. He's going to break that window out. Take some fuckers out. He's a man of stupid action. That's what he is. <laughs> but... 
in fairness to him, because we, we've discussed this quite a bit, when the shit hits the fan and everybody starts to distrust each other, rather than trying to be... What you get in a lot of these sort of movies is the stereotype, I'm going to take charge. He realises the chain of command has gone completely out the window and steps back and is just like quiet about it. And I, I don't like... think that says a lot... Of, I don't think that means he's being a coward about it. I think he's very clever for that because he knows that if he tries to take charge and sort of overpower the people that are yeah. trying to deal with it all, he's just going to either look more guilty or cause more problems. Yeah, I thought it was very... That, that was... You know when people talk about having leadership qualities? I found that very much a leadership quality. He... He was like, I, you know, I, I understand know. you're paranoid. I'll, I'll I'm argue paranoid with that. too. I don't think it's a matter of his leadership qualities it's as so much as for self survival, knowing what to do in that situation. That's a leadership quality. No, self survival isn't so much leadership quality. That's different. He isn't trying to guide anybody else into doing things. He's just knowing what he needs well, to no, do himself. He does though, eventually. He just knows Eventually. when. Once they prove that with the blood test that he's not an alien, that's when he's like, right, I've put up with your bullshit this whole time. Yeah, no, I'll give you that, but you that's, know, this is what I'm talking about. That wasn't he, knew, he knew how to pick his moments. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but what I mean is he knew exactly what he needed to do in the situation. It wasn't leadership quality. That's just a very self-intelligent and what he needed to do in that situation for himself. Well, and for everyone else, because if you exacerbate the situation, then they're just going to start killing each other. Yeah, I know. You know, um... Just a very clever man, I think. Yeah, really... Apart I, from breaking a window in the Antarctic. <laughs> that wasn't right. You're not going to let that go, are you? I'm never <laughs> in my entire life going to let that go. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can cover the window. It wasn't a big hole he knocked in it. It's a little window. But he didn't need to. <laughs> it's an unnecessary pain in the arse. <laughs> The Doc loses his shit at some point and starts destroying everything because the Doc is the very first one to realize we got to take out all of our vehicles, all of our communications Doc equipment. Blair. Yeah, because he's the one that's analyzing the blood and realizes that it can emulate anybody. And if and it gets off of Antarctica... shuts himself away for a while, doesn't he? Well, no, they lock him up in that shed. No, it's before then. He's just vanished. He's, he's locked himself in his lab. Well, yeah, and then he starts and, shooting at and anybody then that tries to go in. The first thing you see of him is McCready seen him run off after he's gone and smashed the shit out of the helicopter's communications and obviously any use of it whatsoever. Yeah. And then he goes rampant in the communications room with an axe. Yeah. Because he's just there saying, it can't get out, it could be anybody, just smashing it all up. Cause yeah, he... and it, it, he's, he's accepted, he's like not even bothering explaining this shit to anyone. You know, he's um just, right, this is what's going on, I can't trust any of these fuckers because any one of them or all of them could be this thing so he doesn't give a shit about explaining yeah, to them he's kind of gone crazy but in a very sensible way yeah, <laughs> yeah. the gym away because yeah sensible crazy yeah he's doing the right thing yeah he's just in a very crazy way he's he's the first one to be like you know what fuck this group <laughs> well he, he he basically figured I'm not going to survive I'm just going to make sure this thing ain't going to get to anyone else yeah yeah so they lock him in a shed for ages and uh, randomly go and check on him and he's like no I'm fine I'm totally fine and he's got like a noose hanging there yeah, <laughs> but eventually you see that turning point where is where you sort of think he's been taken over when he's like no I'm fine now you can let me out now I'm okay let me come back in but yeah that's where he's, he's sort of turned yeah um, it's and eventually he does get out and uh, try to go down into the tunnels and what is he even trying to do build another ship it build another ship yeah I thought he was trying to fix the old one but yeah um, 
I think it, no, he was making another ship from the parts of the other one. Yeah, but he eventually escapes the shed and everything, and they have to go and, and take him out and stuff. But uh, interesting that you mentioned the whole you can kind of tell a bit when he when he turns over because it makes you wonder about the rest of them because the the guy that gets defibrillated, uh, Vant. Eh? How yeah. I pronounced it. Um, there's a point before that where they say, you know, somebody has to take the keys and hold them for safekeeping, and they nominate him, and he's like, I don't think I'm up to this, guys. And, yeah. And no, I don't think... You know, he says, I, I don't think I'm the right person for this. Yeah. And, and I know there's been speculation is... He wasn't quite turned, but he was being... He was like, he, he was infected. He, wa- he knew he wasn't right. Yeah. He was aware something was happening to him, and he didn't want to be left with that. He knew he wasn't himself quite anymore. Do you know one of my favorite things about this movie that makes me love it so much is the amount of speculation and fan theories and things that that just fly around about this movie? It fuels it and gives you your own perspective of the movie you can make your own mind up about how things are well yeah and, and they'll either be true or they'll be not true such as who is the thing at the end is it mccready or is it childs and that does uh, yeah we saw that about it because they carried on with the comic strip didn't they For yeah but while, we're not gonna it, we're, we, i've not read the comics no i'm just talking so. about what they speculate because there's two versions there yeah. was one where they rescued them and it was going to carry on in the jungle and it was Childs who was the thing. And there's another one where it was McCready. There is a fan theory that I read online somewhere. Um, I don't remember where. I think it might is have this, been on... Is this the kerosene Yeah, I think thing. it might have been on Reddit yeah. or something like that. I love that. I, I read ages ago and it's one of my favorite fan theories about the ending of this movie. At the end... You have McCready and Childs sitting there. The, the the base is on fire, you know. No, there is no base left. Yeah, they're sat they're, outside because everything's burnt to a crisp and flattened. Yeah, and he hands uh, McCready hands Childs a bottle of what appears to be booze or water or something. And, yeah. Well, no, it's a, it's a wine a li- bottle. A li- a it's a liquor bottle. bottle. And Childs takes a swig of it, and McCready gets this look on his face, and that's how the movie leaves us. Um, Now, the fan theory that I read was that earlier in the movie, they replaced the booze in the bottle with fuel for the flamethrowers, kerosene. And that was McCready testing whether or not Childs was the thing. because because the thing wouldn't know any different. It wouldn't know know that that was kerosene and not booze. It'd have no idea. And when he takes a drink of it, because that's why McCready doesn't take a drink of it. He takes a drink of it. McCready knows then that it's Childs. Um, obviously, nobody knows which one is actually the thing, aside from John Carpenter, and he's not telling anybody. I know that... Uh, yeah, I think he already had it in his mind, but after all the theory and presumptions all came out, he just let it roll, and just like, I'm <laughs> never going to answer this one. Yeah, yeah, and he's going to... Good gonna... on him, good on him, because it just keeps it fueling it'll be, it'll be, forever. It'll be, it'll be in his will. I when he that. passes away, it'll be like, it was Childs, or it was McCready. No, I, th- I think it's going to be <laughs> one of those things where his last words are, by the way, in the thing, it was... <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Probably knowing John Carpenter, or actually knowing John Carpenter, he'll be like, 
Are you guys still fucking asking me about that? Are you still banging on about that? That was how many years ago I made that movie? <laughs> Turn the ball game on. <laughs> and still still not telling. <laughs> but um, but that's one of my favorite fan theories about the ending. Um, I know. I, I love that. And I can see that really clearly as well. Yeah. When, when, when you watch it again after hearing that, you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, Child seems so obvious to me that I kind of want it to be McCready. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because McCready's carrying us. He's taking us on this journey, and he's carrying us through this entire movie. And I think it would well, just be great like if it was him. Because he is the main protagonist. That he's like the main hero in it, the the survivor and everything else. But it's just like Carpenter to have that twist that no, he is the one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would I would love to have that uh, have that be confirmed that it's that it's McCready. But you know, the world will never know. So yeah, if you've got if you've heard any really cool fan theories about this, by the way, I love that sort of thing. So get in touch, um, hit me up on Facebook or something because uh, I'd like to hear them. I'd love to hear them. Oh, give me your fa- give me your fan theories. theories. <laughs> um, love to read them. Absolutely, we 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 would really love to read them. I said this is a versus episode between The Thing and The Thing from Another World, and I didn't really want to touch on the 2011 prequel because. It may not. It might as well not even exist to no, me. No, it was a big part of Sookie's Um I highly recommend seeing both of these movies, but just avoid that one because they try to explain, you know, a lot of the stuff that they find throughout this John but, Carpenter's The Thing, yeah. and it, it, it shit. And there's a, there's a few things that um, I've I've seen other people review the 2011 version, and they are very accurate. Is they were doing it as like a remake and it just seems like in the last five minutes they sort of shoehorned it into a prequel yeah by you know suddenly quick helicopter quick dog <laughs> you know one dog in the entire thing that is the only thing that survives suddenly runs off and the only two Norwegians that was at the base that, that was supposed really... to be an all Norwegian base no, let's know yeah. let's not we're not but that's really... what I mean it, yeah don't bother with it because it's pointless yeah, so the it, best bit about it is the last two minutes, which is the beginning of this movie. So just watch this movie. That's all I'm saying about it. Yeah, I, I shouldn't have brought it up at all, really. I don't know why I did. I think because no, I think it's because of. Well, it needs to. You need to have that sort of infomercial warning. Well, I think I think it's because of the uh, mentioning the guy that had committed suicide on the Norwegian base I t- that I mentioned earlier, and ever since I mentioned that. I've had the 2011 shit fest in my head because they then go and try to explain why he committed suicide and when he committed it, you know, and all this stuff. And it's just like the best, the best thing about this movie is the mystery, the atmosphere. We don't know what happened. We don't want to know what happened. We, you know, it. All the tension that this movie movie has, they try to completely undo. Um. Luckily, because it's so awful, it didn't ruin this one at all. Well, of course not. But anyway, yeah, I, I don't. That's. I think that's why I felt the need to to say to say War, something. Warn people. <laughs> um, I probably shouldn't have done if because you think about it, don't do it. Yeah, I, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have said it. And as a matter of fact, all of this section might end up being edited out. I hope. Now. I'll keep some of it, not all of it. Though. But um. But yeah. Um. For me, I think this is one of the best horror films ever made. I'm going to be straight up honest about that. 
even though uh, it's not everyone's cup of tea and you know some people may find it I don't know I don't know I can't think of no because if you like horror and even if you don't like the sort of gore monsters and grotesqueness of it you'd still appreciate the level of technical skill and the way the shots are done and just the way the whole movie is set up and built is outstanding the atmosphere is perfect and the thing is so silent um, and, and the fact that they don't, you never find out what it is. They don't figure out what it is. They don't figure out where it came from. They don't figure out, you know, none of that stuff gets covered because they just don't fucking know, which is much more frightening. Um, and it's, and it's quite silent. You know, anytime it's seen assimilating someone, which the effects for all of them it, are, are amazing. It's quiet. You don't know. It's, it's windows walking into a room and turning the corner and seeing um and and seeing his mate um there in the corner being assimilated and there's not a sound you know he he, he didn't hear anything before he walked in that room things like that are absolutely brilliant uh, but speaking of and sound it's, well no and it's like says it, it uh, like Tom says this the only time where it really sort of lets rip on somebody and is noisy and violent is when it's got no other choice and it's backed into a corner. Yeah. Other than that, it will silently take over people and assimilate who it needs to. Yeah. But speaking of sound, a couple of things I have to have to mention. The scream that the thing makes. Oh, I love that noise. Oh my god, that's that's got to be that noise and the noise from the invasion of the body snatchers are my two favorite monster noises. Oh wait, nope, Godzilla. I've got to add the Godzilla. Oh, the Godzilla roar. <laughs> yeah, I've got to add that to the list, but but it is one of my favorite creature sounds ever. There's something so just fucking cool and creepy about it and the quietness there's not constant... Well, the score in this as well... It, well, John it, Carpenter did there. the score for this, and the score for this movie is one of my favorite movie scores. It's like a couple of notes, but it's perfect. It's it's one of my favorite movie scores. As a matter of fact, when I can't sleep, sometimes I put the score to this movie on and just, like, curl up in bed <laughs> and, and and relax. Um, it's, it's a brilliant atmospheric score and it's not you don't get any of that sudden loud noise jump scare bullshit you don't get sudden danger music that um that increases it's got a proper old school build up to it yeah that it it, you don't (laughs) um you don't get uh that sort of danger music that increases in tempo and pitch and gets louder you know when the person's music danger music danger Yeah. yeah totally you don't get that it's subtle and it's in the background creating just the right atmosphere for this entire movie which I think is one of the things that makes it such a good film because very few movies have that quiet you know and get away with it yeah especially Hollywood nowadays they feel like there's oh, got Christ. to be loud noises and music all the way through constantly to keep people's attention yeah, they use the but, score now to build suspense I know, whereas, so you know it's coming and yeah, that, it distracts from it's, it it's like they don't seem to realise all of the greatest in classic and cult movies have this long build up this quiet sort of I can't think of another movie that score. does that there's a few I mean even you look at Blade Runner Alien it's not a horror movie yeah see yeah. all the same they don't have this 
but in all the movies they do now, they're trying to change it, and none of them work. It's like, well, it's do been they like not that. see the classics and greats? It's been like yeah. that for quite a while. I know, though. it's a bit of a It's shame. been like that for quite a while. But, um, but John... You can, can legitimately say they don't make them like this anymore. Uh, no, they definitely don't. John Carpenter, he's sort of a master of scoring movies. You know, he's... If I were ever to make a movie, I would like sacrifice a virgin to John Carpenter to get him to score it. Halloween. I mean, well, all recognized throughout the world for that one. I had a a setting on my computer a long time ago, many many years ago, um, when my oldest daughter was just a baby, and whenever it went into sleep mode, it automatically played the theme from Halloween. And it was really late at night, and everyone was in bed, and I was alone in the house and just washing the dishes, and just I heard it in the background start playing, and oh, that it's like oh, I'm gonna die. Yep, it's it's happening because I forgot I'd done it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it says a lot. I mean, you look at like the <coughs> I say if you IMDb, both of these movies, obviously the tagline from Thing from Another World was you know look to the skies watch the skies yeah. this one is um, look at each other what you fear most is among you yeah which I loved because with this movie obviously with that one it's like one alien they can track where it is they can prepare for it this you've not got a chance it could be anyone it could be anything it could be anywhere yeah and that's the most terrifying thing absolutely and I know there's tons of stuff that we're not touching on and for people that listen to our show, you're probably used to a very different format than we're doing for this episode, where we sort of give a full rundown of every little thing that happens. We've decided not to do that anymore, because it just takes a lot of fucking time. So, you know, if you, if you, if you want a message and, and yell at us for... Yeah, oh, you you didn't talk about this bit. <laughs> we know, we know, we know. We're aware. <laughs> we have watched this movie several thousand times. How we know all we... and we presume that you should have watched it that many times as well, and <laughs> we shouldn't need to cover it. No. Ben sounds grumpy tonight, doesn't he, guys? No. I'm just... Are you grumpy? I, I, if I found people <laughs> who love horror and who have not seen this movie, that would make me grumpy. No, you that need to. You need to stop being grumpy. No. Maybe you should have a. Maybe you should have for, a for a movie this good, this classic, this cult, everyone should have at least seen it. Even if they, they, I'll give them their own opinion. Even if they didn't like it, they have to have at least seen it. Well, by I mean, nine eighty two. If you've been around, you know, like if you're over eighteen, you've had a plenty of time to watch it. <laughs> okay, okay. By using your logic, especially since you threw the word cult in there, does that mean you're finally going to watch Pink Flamingo? No. God fucking damn it. Yes, you are. No. <laughs> oh, he's watching it. No. I'll wait till he's asleep and put it on and then wake him up and be like, look at the TV. And look at it. Immediately go back to <laughs> <sleep>. <laughs> I'll just fart and roll You over. will learn the ways of John Waters, my friend. You will learn the ways one day. Nobody can but learn he... those ways, to be fair. <laughs> so, let's do the rundown. Goes along with the novella much, much more faithfully than The Thing from Another World. Perfect scoring. Perfect acting. Benchmark practical effects. Amazing location. Amazing atmosphere. Videography. It is as... Photography. You mean cinematography. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, no, because remember they they had the stills in the um, the paintings and things. The paintings, yeah. the what what do they call them? The guys that did the background scenery. Anyway, so it it is as close to perfect as a movie can get, in my opinion. So, shall we score this bad boy? Uh, I think you know, I know, and everyone else knows exactly what we're going to score this one. For the first time on Black Annis. From um, Misty. Uh, from me, and I'm very, very picky. This will be the first movie that will receive the full five hatchets. It deserves every single hatchet available to it, because, it, I mean, I, there's no way, you, I don't know how you could improve this movie. I don't know how you could take this movie and make it better than it is. To me, it's my favorite horror movie, and it's it's just perfect. It's flawless. <laughs> ben, what would you like to rank it? Uh, I think you know. I'm going to give it a perfect five, but my only issue is I wish I could give it more. <laughs> <laughs> because I've given five to others, which, to me, deserving of a five. But this is still a step above everything, because it is such an amazing movie. So it gets a perfect five five from both of us. Yeah. Which, but you know what that means. Yeah, and as much as I hate to do this, I'm doing it out of love. But I'm sorry, the thing from another world You shall be executed by flamethrower. Up against the wall. Because you were still a pretty good movie, we'll make it a quick and painless death. Burn it! Damn it, Charles, torch it! I'm sorry, Thing from Another World. Sorry. You were you were a good movie. You tried your best, and your campiness made us smile, but it is time for you, you to be put to rest. You were just outmovied. Yeah. Sling free of their mortal coil, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ashes <laughs> to ashes, dust to dust. Well, now I'm going to have the Faith No More song in my head all night. <laughs> Better take it out, you said it's going to rust. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's from Highlander 2. <laughs> <laughs> No, we don't need to bring Highlander into this. <laughs> I'm sorry, but we are doing it. They can be only one. <laughs> uh, send, the title for our versus movie. Send it, send it, yeah. There can be only one. Well, what do you guys think for the title for the versus movie? There can be only one? No? I'm so having a quick any, Highlander reference in it. Any suggestions we will take. To live forever. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> with a heavy heart we say goodbye to the thing from another world um, realistically though I do recommend both of these movies um, if you get the chance and you're in the mood for campy fun go ahead and watch the other one it's not really dead I mean we don't we don't have that kind of power in, the, in, in reality or anything you know so it's still out there you can still you can still watch it <laughs> Uh, John Carpenter's a thing. Obviously, we recommend the shit out of that movie. Everyone and everywhere should watch this movie f multiple times. I just really want to know what happened to Knowles. Everyone wants to know what happened <sighs> to Knowles. I like to think he actually survived. He he survived and escaped 
That's just that's what I'm going with. On his skates. Yes, <laughs> he skated on, pulled by penguins. All right, all right, guys. Um, all right, you guys. Uh, we'll be back after this break. Black Alice Horror Podcast, exclusive to the Legion Podcast Network. I first met this man by the Cape and Street tracks, and no shape for success, and in nowhere to fast. He may have felt someone once by the sound of his call, now he answers to no one. this evening um except it doesn't uh i bet you guys totally thought i was about to end the show didn't you i bet you were all sitting there going oh finally it's over wrong are you you kidding they've already already hit stop (laughs) it's not over because in the spirit of our uh little versus episode here and in the spirit of how much we love both of these movies we have been doing yeah get to give us a review of the thing game so yeah here is ben to give you his thoughts on the 2002 video game the thing which is kind of also meant to be a sequel to the movie so here's ben starters i'm sorry i tried (laughs) misty challenged me with get the game play the game review the game i could not play all of the game Unfortunately, for its time, 2002, was it 2002 that came out? Yeah, it was, God. It seemed a very rushed game, considering it was 20 years after the movie. It took a while to get going. Um, I personally didn't like any of the gameplay. 
I've ended up watching a few people play it and go through it because I just couldn't do it myself. The, the way the camera angles move as you're playing made me feel very, very nauseous. And like a found footage movie. <laughs> <laughs> worse than that. Now, there's a couple of games that do that to me, but just the way the third, sort of third person is roaming around and it swings you around, sort of gives you that sort of car sickness feeling. So I was playing like 10, 15 minutes at a time and eventually just gave up. I mean, I got... I presume a third of the way through, I could have been like nearly finished for all I know. For its time, average, below average graphics, average, below average gameplay. Um, it had a bit of the storyline. I mean, you, you got to see the thing. It was they did the odd, tried to do the odd jump scare, but you could tell it wasn't done by the same people that made the movie or had anything to do with them. It was somebody else just trying to coin in on it a bit. Out of curiosity, I just have a quick question. Yeah. Sorry, I, I hope I'm not interrupting your flow. Yeah. But um, s since it's meant to be a sequel, did you happen to see a dead McCready or a dead Childs anywhere? Because that would sort of tip us off as to who the no thing comment. was. Oh, you are kidding me. Come on. No. Is that a yes or a no? That's a no comment. You, can you just tell me yes and not tell me who it is? No. Yes, you come across one of them. Oh my god, I'm going to have to play it just for that. <laughs> but um, uh, if you get to the end, I mean, it might enlighten you to more of the storyline, but I don't think it was John Carpenter-esque enough for me to enjoy it. I think I was too biased against the original movie, or well, John Carpenter's The Thing, to enjoy this. I, I think it spoiled it, if anything. I, I don't think it they should have bothered all have let John Carpenter do the whole thing. John Carpenter did endorse it, though. So I'm guessing the storyline has has his approval. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not very true to keeping. I mean, if you get a chance, yeah, Google it, have a look at some of the screenshots. You won't be blown away. Personally, for the sort of creature feature, monster games, alien games, there there is, even for its time, far superior ones out there. Um, sorry to disappoint after such an awesome movie, but they kind of disappointed quite a few people with this game and that is about all I really have to say about it <laughs> <laughs> to be honest I, I don't, I, I've slandered and slated it quite enough and this will just turn into a, just a big long half hour rant about it if I, if I do go on much longer but um, thank you for listening to us tonight guys um, you might notice that we have a new logo um, which yeah. which we absolutely love. Um, our new logo, just to give a shout out there, was done by a, a friend of ours named Mel. Um, her website is mellangton.com, M-E-L-L-A-N-G-T-O-N.com. Um, she does really good work, so if any of you need anything done, anything designed, she does a really sort of comic, cartoony type of style, and it's really, it's, it's, it's really badass, but you can check out some of her work on their website. If you want anything doing, she'll she'll do it for you. You just tell her what you want, and uh, she'll give you a price and She's make it awesome. happen. Yeah, she is. I love our new logo. Me too. <laughs> so, um, so we just had to do a quick shout out there. Thank you for joining us. Obviously, you can find us on iTunes. We are exclusive on Legion Podcasts. Um, our Facebook group, Black Anis Horror Podcast. Feel free to hit us up. You can message us. Message us there and as a matter of fact I'm going to just say please message us there because we never ever ever check the email 
for the show. So if you email us, we might not respond for six months. But if you message us on Facebook, we'll see it immediately. Um, We do have a Twitter, but we are not active at all on it. We should be. We should be more active on it, I think. Yeah, we'll try. Did did you want me to tell you who they find in the game, then? Do you really want me to? Yeah. Wait... If, if you guys are wanting to play this game and don't want to the, know the, this... I'm leaving this separately, so me and Mr. can discuss that about that out if need be. Um, just mute, mute, your, mute your podcast now and then and, and yeah. turn it back on. It's... They investigate the Nor- Norwegian branch. They then discover the smaller spaceship that Blair was building under the ice. They then find the body of Child, who died of hypothermia, <gasps> and the body of McCready is never found. It was McCready. Yeah. Oh my God, that makes me which, so happy. <laughs> which the, this is the only good thing is because it was based on the storyline for the sequel that was in production until Computer Artworks went into receivership, which is why the sequel was never made. Which is why John Carpenter endorses the game as the sequel. Yes. So if they just fix the fucking graphics, so it would make you seasick. They should remake it. Oh, I'd, I'd be all about that. If for they the remade PS4, it now, it'd be amazing. But... So it was McCready the whole time. Oh my god, that, that's like all I my knew, dreams I coming should, true. I knew I shouldn't have said anything. Uh, I, I should have kept Misty in suspense on that. <laughs> I'm Sorry, so guys. happy right now. Sorry. I am so happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And that completely fucks over that really awesome fan theory. Right. Um, yeah, thank you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we will see you guys next time. We're going to, um, this is going to be, we've decided this is going to be the year of Black Annis. We will be getting content, content out more regularly this year now that a lot of the stuff that was going on over the past year, year and a half has been resolved. It's, it's time to start pumping out content. So we'll see you guys soon. Catch you later. Bye. Bye.